This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Look, I've been used to being called potato head from them for the last uh, 20 years. I think I've, I always took it as a bit of a compliment. When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now, so I'll play it for you. It's uh, called My Old Man. This is the voice of your god, Randy Lerner. First McLeish, then came Bruce. What next, River Francis? Welcome, villains, to the My Old Man Said podcast show. Probably the most fun that you can have as a Villa fan at this moment in time. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. So, what's been going on since last we spoke? A new manager, unfortunately same results. We've even eclipsed the drawing achievements of Alex McLeish, which is saying something. Although, of course, it's early days for Steve Bruce, but uh, one thing is for sure, I think he knows he's got a bit of a job on his hands. On this show, we'll try to get to the bottom of what is going on at Villa in terms of why are these players underperforming. We'll also talk about uh, Steve Bruce. And as well as answering listener questions, we'll also focus on Ross McCormack, a key to potentially getting this team up and running again. There'll be five reasons to be cheerful as usual, and throughout the show there'll be a few filler guests popping up. Thanks as always to the Moms patrons, and a shout out to Rick Lawrence who joined this week. If you want to uh, become a Moms patron, head over to myomansaid.com and check out Patron on the menu bar. If we get a few more patrons sign up, we'll start doing an extra podcast show in the week. Okay, villains, let's get down to Claret and Blue business. And joining me this episode, Dan Rogers from the Villa Underground, 
And also my old man said writer, Chad Wren. How you doing, gents? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Really well, thank you. A couple of days at the Masters, topped off by an evening of entertainment at Villa Park. Ooh, which uh, was the best, Masters or Villa Park? Do well, I do I even have to ask? Well, entertainment and experience, I'd have to say the Masters. Let's let's put it like that. Um, uh, how many how many days is the Masters over? Four days. Four days. Can, can you imagine having to go to Villa Park four consecutive Ooh. days? Wow, it'd be four draws. In the current, in the current climate, yeah, four draws. <laughs> I hope, for example, the American influence in the game doesn't become so much that a game is cauterized over four days. That, that would be just too much uh, punishment. So uh, so the last week or so over the international break, it's been a bit of a management merry-go-round, uh, not only with England, with Gareth ex-villain Gareth Southgate coming in, although uh, did any of you actually bother to watch England? Because I, I don't watch them anymore unless it's in the actual tournament itself, World Cup or Euros. Anybody uh, watch England over the international break? I did, just because I was bored. Wanted to go down the pub, good excuse. <laughs> so you watched England because you were bored? <laughs> yeah, it, it's sort of, it's a... Uh, How yeah. did that one work out for you? It made me even more bored. Just made me depressed, actually. <laughs> Seeing Wayne Rooney just spray it all side to side. Yeah, I haven't really kind of got an opinion on the whole Wayne Rooney thing. I just assume he's he's older now and he's kind of faded and that's as, that's about as far as the argument goes. If he's not good enough, just get rid of him. It's just day or uninteresting football, isn't it? And, you know, we've got Mr. Charisma Gareth Southgate in charge now. Major upgrade yeah. on Roy Hodgson. I mean, as we found out in the latest Villa management saga, there just isn't that many great managers uh, in the pool to choose from every time. I mean, for example, Steve McLaren going popping up again at Derby was uh, was a bit of a, a bit of a laugh. And then you've got this merry-go-round where Big Sam or Steve Bruce, pretty much you could sum them up, no disrespect to them, but as managerial journeymen who were like six seven out of ten kind of caliber always will pop up and get the job but now those two have floated to the top of the tree where they're getting the england job for one game only <laughs> uh, also now the aston villa job but what was your in what was your first impressions of bruce coming in in i think when we recorded the last podcast we pretty much expected him to uh, walk through the doors at villa park but you know it wasn't obviously 100 percent at that time so i think you we we all had reservations but just quickly uh you know just your initial thoughts on the actual appointment not what he's done so far well, he's gonna he's gonna need time, isn't he? And I think after the Wolves game, you see what a big task that he's gonna have on. If there's a guy who, of all those candidates we went through last week, he's got the he's got the track record to get get teams out of the division. We're gonna need that, but a lot's gonna hinge on personnel, I think. And Chad, I was initially happy. I'd probably say, to be honest, I'd get caught up in all that vibe that it's sort of a fresh start. New managers come in, you expect everything to change. Yeah, I was just happy. I don't know what. Just it is sort of the sight of seeing Blues fans run scared and things like that. That was probably my favourite bit. <laughs> where, where are they running to? Um, promotion. <laughs> yeah, into the hills of promotion. Nine, nine, nine. Hello, this is Herr Wagner of Huddersfeld. I've been calling to politely decline your kind offer of a job at Aston Villa. Herr Westwood, ach ja, I wanted to make beautiful football with Westie. Ach, but oh God, und Houghton, und Angel Gabriel Agbonho. Have you seen us photos of Flabby Gabby? No way. 
moving to the the Wolves game, and we almost had a 360-degree view of uh, the Aston Villa Wolves game. We had Dan in the Holt end. I was uh, checking out the Trinity end on somebody's season ticket, and Chad was in the North stand. Uh, would have had somebody extra in the uh, the Doug Ellis, but I, I just I, well personally I refuse to entertain that stand while that name that name is on it. But Bruce, I mean Bruce's introduction, uh, it was kind of it's not like a returning hero or a uh, a champion or Sir Lancelot turning up. It was more like it was good luck with us, mate. Thanks for coming, wasn't it? Thanks for coming. We've got our fingers crossed for you. Wolves, the the performance. I mean. Phew. I was mad uh, at the first half against Newcastle. I, I was pretty much almost equally mad at the second half against Wolves. Was you frustrated in the fans around you? Most certainly, especially in the second half. It's just the fact that we, we didn't have any sort of attacking intent whatsoever again. And even though they were four substitutions, you heard around the ground everyone calling for Gisted to come on and just to put a striker on because it's a bit of a shame that we look so clueless without a striker on the pit, without like a sub striker coming into the game. Unfortunately, he was, I think Bruce had his hands tied because, you know, two players went off injured uh, and he had to do kind of like for like swaps. I think that kind of compromised what he could do to actually change the game. It's a shame what? that McCormack and Codger couldn't step up themselves to change the game. And that's probably what frustrated fans the most. But yeah. A lot has been said about the fitness and Steve Bruce saying the, and I'm, I'm not actually pointing this at Steve Bruce per se, but there's bigger problems than fitness. And first of all, I think this whole fitness thing is a bit of a myth. I mean, I wrote something on myomansaid.com regarding how pretty much in the last five or six years, uh, seasons, the new Villa manager has said exactly the same thing. Julio said the same thing about Martin O'Neill's uh, team, which was a bit strange because Martin O'Neill's team was pretty. I think it was one of the best teams in the Premier League for actually winning points from losing positions, which suggests, in terms of like stamina within games, uh, Villa were pretty uh, hardy in that respect. So I don't think there was that many problems with fitness. I think Julio probably just looked at Richard Dunn and uh, thought, hmm. <laughs> that diet of Guinness and pies wasn't the makings of a professional <laughs> Premier League defender. No, so uh, who knew? So uh, Julio brings in, and, and the name uh, escapes me, but I think Remy Gard also brought him in. Oh, it was the same guy, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, it was the same guy who uh, who was known to be this real ball-breaking fitness uh, chap. So fast forward uh, a few a few months, or well, actually a season, and Alex McLeish comes in, and the first thing he does is publicly uh, announce that the Villa players need to uh, get their fitnesses up in pre-season to kind of justify their selection, because he also had doubts over the fitness. Fast forward forward Remy Gard says exactly the same thing uh, at the Tim Sherwood team he inherits fast forward again Steve Bruce says exactly the same about Dementeo so there seems to be a trend here that uh, a the staff at Bodymore haven't caught on that everybody's unfit or it's just essentially just this kind of I don't know what to call it like a neutral excuse where it deflects off the players and the present manager is kind of blaming the old regime which is obviously gone now but come on, they're, they're professional footballers. They're getting paid five figures, and a lot of them are doing. You know, a lot of them have got external fitness coaches, and to suggest they're not fit enough, you know, I don't, I don't buy it. 
What do you, what do you think? I think I'd buy it in part. I think you, you look across our team and you can see players who I don't think have got 90 minutes in them. I, I do think that you look at how we play and you compare it to some of the teams we've come up against. Wolves is a good example because other teams seem to get the ball to our final third in a completely different way to how we're trying to do it. We're trying to carry the ball out all the time or trying to find a lone guy. Other teams seem to break in twos and threes, stay in the channels. You know, very traditional way of yeah. playing football. We, we don't seem to, you know, the ball always seems to be at the feet of someone like Grealish who's still in our own half and with one or two passes on and three or four opposition defenders in front of him it's we look I mean Chad was saying we don't have any creativity I think we seem to hit the wall we we try we come out with a game plan and then we lose our way and then we hit the hour mark and I think stamina and lack of ideas. Yeah. We just we just fall apart, really. Yeah, I mean, in terms of sorry, just going back to the fitness quickly. I mean, obviously there was you know one or two players like Yedinak did not look fit in any shape or form, and yeah. and to be honest, he's looked like he's been perpetually jet lagged while he's been at Villa. <laughs> I, I've done some time. figure work on on Yedinak if you're interested. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Well, assuming he's been away for a week, which I think he has been, I make it that he'll have been flying from. So there's 168 hours in a week. He'll have been flying for 55 hours. Wow. And that's that's just the latest trip, isn't that's it? That's just that's just this trip. Before it was even more chronic, wasn't it? Because he had to he flew to Australia and he went to the, the UAE. East. But that's yeah. what that's what the killer is because the way that the Australian internationals work is they play one domestic one and one overseas one. So this yeah, one yeah. this one was the same. So he was in Jeddah, and then I didn't realize how far Jeddah was from Adelaide. It's seventeen hours flight. That's insane. It's mental. So it, maybe it, maybe you should retire from international Jeddah. Well, that's what I was kind of hoping when he sang for Villa, because surely the the you know the the fashionable phrase "due diligence" uh, would have been done on his international schedule. I mean, I I, I viewed the Yedinak purchase as like the main man for yeah. the Villa Villa midfield. He was the man who was going to sort out our flimsy midfield. Yet when you look at his schedule and what he actually has to go through um, on international week, he's he's knackered for the next week after he's got back. Well, the crazy he, thing about about that journey out there is, I mean, by all accounts, he played really well against um, Japan in in Australia. He captained yeah. the team and he scored the equaliser. Uh, yeah. You know, it's no excuse because he he was dog rubbish at, at Villa Park against Wolves. There's there's no getting away from that. But he he got off a, he got off a round the world flight the morning before. Uh, <laughs> if there's if there's one glaring error, I mean the fact that it was Bakuna and Ayu weren't picked on the basis of being having been on long haul flights. Why was Yedinak put in? Yeah. He did comment yeah. afterwards Bruce saying that it was a mistake from himself, but man, that probably shows you how he would Desperate. rate him over Westwood. Yeah, no Bruce did stick his hand up and say it was his mistake, but as you said, uh, he was probably just frightened by the other options. Mm. Well, I don't imagine a player who's arriving back off international duty where the manager's changed, he's not going to be arriving at the manager's door saying oh, I don't really want, I don't fancy See this one, boss. You know, it's a it's, can't you can't make a worse first impression. Well, so you're almost relying on your boss saying, "Hang on, sit this one out." It's probably that's, the that's, type of character Yednak is as well. I don't think he'd ever he'd yeah, be the sort of person to do that. He's not like John Carew, who used to say, "Yeah, I don't think don't think I'm feeling fit uh, f- for this one, boss." <laughs> but that's but that strip club night's still on. <laughs> G'day, villains! Welcome back to Jedinak's Jungle. Struth, I'm playing like a real Brett Holman. So bad I got swapped for a Westie. What a crock. But my predictions came right. Bruce was lurking out in the outback all along. He's emerged a beautiful lean specimen after a period out in the wild. Crikey, what a beauty he's become. Mate, listen, he's going to need all of his experiences if he's to survive this ass ripper. The 
reason why I don't think it's a fitness issue is what you alluded to earlier on. It's just, you know, people have said, well, you know, Bruce has only had two days to put this team together and, you know, rule the roost over them. But, you know, we're not talking about Steve Bruce here per se at the moment. We're talking about the fact that these players have had, most of them have had 12 games playing together, yet they look like absolute strangers on that pitch. And when one player gets the ball, as you said, there's, he's, he's hardly got anything on. And nine times out of ten, he's surrounded by two or three players without anybody coming to his aid. They're standing there, hands on hips or jogging into the box, you know, basically saying, beat those three men, get it over to me. There's no support. There's no little triangles. There's there's no, they're not attacking as a wave, as in a unified force. thing that's probably most telling for me is the type of football they switch from. Like you said, it might not be a fitness issue because of the fact that when we play well, we get the ball down and we pass it. When, when we play poorly, we just start launching it and Kodge is never going to win a header and our best spells in games when we get on top of them is when we even if it's aimless passing or at least we keep in the ball and then we start to move on and find gaps and McCormack and Grealish's little link-up play but then that just disappeared and faded out and I don't know what yeah I mean that that little link-up play was I think it was like what there was a patch of about five or so minutes in the, the kind of early early first half where you thought oh hang on a minute is you know they're they're playing with uh, freedom and uh, you know this could get interesting and then I don't think McCormack or Grealish played another ball to each other for the whole game. Now they do seem on different wavelengths, don't they? And it was a similar. We, we've seen this so many games where you think, why can't we match periods of intensity that other teams seem to put us under? You know, Wolves for how they didn't win the second half yesterday <laughs> is I can't get my head around it. To be honest, it was. Uh, the referee, probably. The referee was, I mean, people talk about clown attacks at the moment. That guy was on having an absolute mare from start to finish. Uh, I don't know what to say. We've seen enough football between us now to know that it, it, you know, it's not all about fitness. It's having having the confidence and I was, you start debating ridiculous things like, oh, such and such low on confidence or is they mm. not... You know, but again, they're professional footballers. They they train all week. They know one and you know after twelve games, they've got to know one another's strengths and weaknesses. Why are we leaving players like Kodja so isolated? Or when we do choose to use him, why are we lumping it up at chin height at him? Or um, when we're under intense pressure, why do we keep giving the ball to Sissoka? Things like that, like give it to someone who could hold on to the ball. So many times as well, where we got possession, both the first and second half, and Richards was guilty of this on one or two occasions. He'd win the ball after a period because Wolves were very good at holding the ball and moving it across the middle. I noticed, yeah. and we would just kick it back to them. And you think that's that's rudimentary. <laughs> professional footballer training you know if there is such a thing that you've got the ball you've worked bloody hard to get it back don't don't just lump it back to a yellow a gold shirt that was the frustrating when we did come to attack it's a similar thing that we dally 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 and this is something that i've noticed creeping into greedish's game he'll pick the ball up he'll come inside he'll take another touch take another touch take another touch and it allows the opposition to regroup Mm. Yeah. Speaking of a difference between attitude between Wolves and Villa in the game, I noticed when Villa defended a corner, as they did uh, with Di Matteo, had nobody up at the centre circle for an out ball. Mm-hmm. When the roles, roles were reversed and uh, Wolves were defending a corner in the second half, uh, especially towards the end of the game, they left two guys up. So Villa had to uh, think about that and obviously leave more men back. Mm. And it obviously neutralised, you know, the threat of Villa in 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 the box. But also, they it was more productive for their, you know, counter attacks. Once that ball came out and was released, they had two guys up there to actually mm. forge and and get something going. And all all it does with leaving nobody up there is just by a preset, you're defending very deep. The ball mm. comes out, it's going straight back to Wolves. It comes straight back in. So the pressure is just, you know, is relentless in the end. 
what else can you say about that Wolves game? We didn't we didn't have a shot on target in the second half. If I I think if there's one positive to take, it's it's laid it bare for for Bruce that it's you know I think it was Chad mentioned that oh, maybe it was yourself David at the beginning of this podcast where the game the first half was as bad as the Newcastle game. If there was a difference between the two, we were even worse in the second half. And you, you think how can that? How can that be possible? <laughs> how can, how can we not fathom a shot on our own pitch over forty five minutes of football? And that's just are we overcomplicating it, or actually, how bad are we? How bad well, are? Well, yeah. I mean, going going back to that fitness thing, uh, if if somebody's saying, well, the thing is, they were buggered from the second half, the start of the second half. So you're telling me that can they can only last the first forty five minutes? That's you know that's rubbish because against Newcastle they finish really strong. Mm. So that's that's another piece of evidence that this fitness thing is, you know, it's a bit of a uh, bit of a myth, and also, you know, it's a bit of a, an excuse just to kind of probably deflect from uh, the fact is it's really a tactics thing, and also, uh, um, you know, the players just don't seem that kind of motivated. I mean, there is another contrast when you look at the Huddersfield game, which always impressed me the first, let's say, hour of it, where the Villa players were closing down, they were getting tight. There was a, you know, hell of a lot of effort in there. And then that intensity probably, you know, obviously you're going to tire from that intensity and Huddersfield made a few changes uh, to get themselves back into the game with substitutes and whatnot. But this game... uh, they were just well. They weren't anywhere in the in the in the second half. So it's not you know it's not, it's not like they tired at the end from forty five minute onwards. They were just non entities. Before we started this game, we actually slipped into the relegation zone. I looked at that game and I was expecting a response. The new manager bounce, where the players are obviously playing uh, to impress the new manager. And after that game, that was the first time I thought getting promoted this season doesn't look very likely at all, yeah. especially, especially when we're one point above the relegation zone. I definitely agree with that. It was a bit of um, a reality check for me, to be honest. And um, a point that my brother actually brought up to me at the game was most of these players, whether they are or not in terms of quality, in their mind, they are Premier League footballers. Yeah. Or Premier League quality, Yedinak, Elphick, Chester, uh, Bakuna, Champions League. Kodja probably wants to move on to the Premier League. Gested's a Premier League player. Grealish thinks he's a Premier League player. There's so many out there, and why can't they deliver? Why can't they step up and put the effort in? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you there, Chad, because what I'm gonna say to you is that I I think that the key thing is that you said I mean Grealish, it's in his head. Yeah, that is true. you just run off a list of players who I'd, I'd remove perhaps some of the players who we, we purchased from what I'm about to say, but you know we actually look like a pretty average championship team. You know we're drawing a lot of games. We look, I think, in as the club in, in how we're set up as a you know to to approach games. I think that we're really set up to not lose. I think we've in we've come down. We've you know. Take, take last season off the books. I think we've got this ingrained approach to football of don't lose, don't lose, don't lose, survive. And that's not going to do us in, in the championship. You look at, we've got teams who are arriving, you know, look at the way it's gone. They, they beat us one week, they lose to Barnsley the next, then they, they beat Rotherham and then they lose to... Sh- it's it's crazy when you look through the, the, the mainstay of the, of the championship results. Wolves are like the best example of what the championship is. It's I think, as I said before, if there was a three-sided coin, such a thing, mm. you just flip that to get the Wolves' result. And we need to really... We've got a great opportunity with a new manager, particularly a manager who's got experience of getting promoted out of this division, of redefining ourselves a little bit. You know, what is our purpose? Is, is it to turn up and if we're not winning after an hour to just give up? I mean, what what is the point? These are really well-paid, allegedly talented footballers who between them haven't over 12 league games now. It's a lot of a lot of football. Do you mainly think it's down to effort then? Because if you look at the likes of 
Burton's probably the best example you get mm. that are quite close to us and have come up from uh, League One. They haven't got much quality in their ranks, have they? But they've surprised everyone because of the amount of effort they've put in. They've come beaming into it. A few people have pinpointed uh, the f- this losing mentality and the fact that you know we should get sports psychologists in, and you know I'm sure there there is some of that in the 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 actual backroom uh, setup at Villa Park anyway. But I don't think it's a, a losing mentality. We, you know, let's be honest, we've only lost three games this season. I think the fact is, and I think I've mentioned this before, on paper, once you spend 55 million or whatever it is, and you buy like the best three goal scorers in the league or with previous records in the championship, you buy a Yedinak, you buy Alphic and Chester, mainly because of their character. On paper, it all looks good. On paper, other managers and pundits are saying, oh, Villa should uh, get promoted because it's, you know, it's all there. And I think that's trickled down to the players and they're thinking, well, you know, with these guys with me, you know, we're going up. And then in their head, the job is done, but they haven't actually done the job. Mm. And, I, and I think that's half the, the in terms of the mental problem is they've already assumed they're going to get promoted. Well, they did. Maybe they've had a reality check now. But I think they thought it was done and dusted just because of the money spent and the kind of caliber of players they got in. But without that effort and without, uh, I mean, Di Matteo, I think, was, was a bit of a, as his reputation at West Brom was, was a casual manager who, you know, would mm. check out at two o'clock in the afternoon. You know, he was out of there and he, you know, he was, uh, let's say, kind of infrequent on the training ground as well and didn't really have his footprints all over that team it, you know that rubs off onto the players this kind of laissez-faire approach where it's kind of casual because you think well we're too good for this league so you know we'll get promoted at the end of the season but when teams like Burton and Huddersfield are giving it their all whatever their resources you know it's 11 against 11 and if you've got 11 players well organized well drilled with a lot of fights they're going to take down the the, the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> well, we'll see what Bruce does. I mean, I, I think it is a big job. And I think even in his head now, because I still think, you know, because of these players, I, you know, I still think that if he gets strings a few wins together, as long as he's top 10 or so come the turn of the year, then that's obviously uh, it's going to set him up once a bit of momentum's found to, uh, you know, hit the playoffs. But I don't, I can't see us catching the top two even now because... Mm. As well as a team that have only won one game suddenly going on some kind of super run, those two top teams have got to drop points and they're not going to drop that many. Well, like you said, I think the next few months are probably the most vital part of Bruce's job or objective is that if he gets us to January and gets us in and around those sort of upper mid-table places where we're not too far from a shout from a playoff spot, then... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. With a new midfielder in, or a few signings coming in, then perhaps we can properly push on then. Well, we'll, uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Let's, let's, have, let's take some uh, questions from the listeners. The first one, uh, I think we'll give this one to uh, Mr. Dan. Is it Richie Loridson? from uh, somewhere that's very like Aston, San Diego, also known for its beaches, parks, beautiful climate. Should, and it touches on what we've just spoken about, should Bruce bring in a sports psychologist? Um, if we don't already have one, I don't see the harm in doing it. I think Bruce's job's perhaps simpler than that, and that's to get us playing football, you know, get us doing yeah. the the straightforward basic things that we see other teams bringing to Villa Park when we go away. Let's start creating chances. Let's give ourselves a chance. I think that's answered that one. Uh, John Wilson on uh, Facebook says, will Bruce give Gabby a chance or does he have sense like the rest of us villains? What do you think about that, Chad? I know he's obviously said that he might reintroduce Gabby or have a look at him, but I think it's unrealistic because of the fact that we can't even choose which strikers to start now out of the the options we've got. So I probably can't see Gabby returning now. You do know where he's going to return, don't you? It will, it will inevitably be St Andrews. It will inevitably be St Andrews. It'll be wheeled out like Hannibal Lecter, <laughs> albeit a large version, <laughs> and, and and unleashed for his injury time. Surely it would take a, an injury crisis of monumental yeah. uh, <laughs> proportions for that to happen. I can't see it. I, have we I not think been it... down this road <laughs> a million times just in the last couple of seasons? Well, that's because we've had so many changes of manager who have all banished him. And I don't know, it's it's a media thing that, you know, they start off because it's the obvious uh, conversation because there are still in the fan base some Gabby lovers. And so the media knows they can, uh, you know, get a ruse from them. And then, you know, people start asking that same question. I think, but, you know, I think turns- as soon as a new manager comes in, they should just show him that Sky Sports clip where Gary Neville talks about how he only had three touches. Do you remember that? Yeah, to show them that. Yeah. No, exactly. Anyway, the next question, uh, this is off Twitter. The previous De Matteo fitness coach, is it Marchese? Marchese? Did Marchese have complete control over fitness or does the manager heavily influence any program? Well, without obviously being a fly on the wall at Villa Park, I mean, obviously the reason why a fitness coach comes in is they obviously draw up the plan. And I would imagine the conversation with any manager is if there's any particular thing they want to focus on. I don't know, for example, if they're planning on playing on the counter-attack a lot, obviously there'd be a bit of acceleration training and, and things like that just to cater it to the way they want to play. But I think in terms of nailing down the main fitness program, it's very much down to the fitness guy so that was Jay off Twitter. Another question, Nigel Dawson on Facebook asks, are the players ever going to put in more effort on the pitch than the fans do in the stadium? Chad? No, move no, on. I don't, I don't think so either. No. In any football ground in the world. 
no yes. one is ever going to put in more effort. It's not. It's not just a Villa problem. It's uh, it's football per se. Yeah. Right. Moving on to the next question from Matthew Mansfield off Twitter. Considering, I think this basically refers to the problems uh, in midfield that we, uh, well, we got, we every fan knows about, and obviously we've been talking about on most episodes of this show. Uh, should we look at recalling the likes of Vera two and Sanchez from loans, given how short we are in central midfield, Dan? Mm, that's a good question. Are we assuming that we can? Because I think they're season-long loans. So, I mean, those two guys were basically they wanted to get them out, as in sell them, and mm. I think. I think it's basically you're there for a season and they've paid a fee for that. I mean, hypothetically, have... would would we want them back? Would you? I mean, I look at them both and I can think of maybe one reason to have them back and then two or three, why not? Yeah. You know, would they improve us? I mean... For me, it's a complete no. Because, number one, Sanchez just looks like a headless chicken in any English league. And we're talking about intensity. He was probably the worst for it. Yeah, but if I think if Villa somehow qualified for the Copa America, I, I would... <laughs> Sanchez... Uh, yeah. Sanchez yeah. would be the first name on the team sheet. And then um, Vera too. We need people to stand up. And he, he was the person who hid all season. Yeah. Carles Hill, however, if we get him down the gym, that creative spark. <laughs> I think, uh, I mean, this is another example of, uh, which seems to manifest itself in, in some Villa fans, is this habit of looking backwards uh, yeah. when things aren't going, you know, when the future looks a bit dodgy. So I, I think the answers to the midfield will uh, come in January and we just got to kind of yep. make do until then. There was a, there a couple of questions on um, Facebook, uh, one from Luke Seal. When are we going to stop fucking booing? I think that Question. refers to fans. And also Matthew Parrish on Facebook. When will we win a game? Well, I think uh, when we win a game, that's when the booing will stop. But also, what we've all spoken about, I mean, come on. I mean, I, I find it hard to accept people banging on about fans booing when we've had, well, you know, how many years of dross have we had? And how many times have fans had a chance to see Villa win at Villa Park over the last couple of seasons or even, you know, even more than that? I think if the players put the effort in... You don't get the booze. For example, Newcastle, they were going to get lynched at the end of that game until uh, the last 20 minutes of effort, which, you know, Villa fans were kind of skipping out of the ground at, at the end of that. But mm -hmm. when it's reversed and it's the second half that's uh, a load of crap, you're going to expect booze. I mean, I don't see why people uh, complain about that. It's, it's kind of common sense it's going to happen. I mean, what, what do you think? I mean, the, the performance against Wolves was was on an individual basis unacceptable, and I think yeah, I didn't personally boo, but I, I can get why why people were booing because it, it was rubbish. You know, people weren't booing Bruce; they were booing the fact that what they'd been served yeah. up over ninety minutes was was at, at times effortless. And yeah, I, I think there was one interesting thing, particularly during during the the game, was when Westwood appeared on the touchline and came on. There was definitely some booing from the crowd, and that. I don't get that. I can see why people might be frustrated to see him. You know, I'm no advocate of, of Westwood, but yeah. the guys running onto the pitch, you, you know, what? it's not going to help matters, is it? Having Westwood in the squad just indicates how, you know, weak the squad is. It's not mm -hmm. a reason to uh, kind of berate him. And as you say, any player coming on is, you know, he's coming on to play for Villa. It's hard to give him any more mm. confidence or inspire him to do that by, uh, you know, booing him as he comes on. I've never booed personally myself either, but 
No, I mean I've I've booed at the end of a game uh, if mm. if it's yeah. actually wasted my time and a few other thirty thousands time, and it's just an insult from what you've seen, you know, in terms of effort. But let's not forget, this is not a case of oh, it's a clean slate now, and you know, yeah. give Bruce a chance. It's got it's almost got nothing to do with Bruce now. It's this has been going on and on and on, and it needs fixing. It's the players have got to take some responsibility now. I think it started the show last the last show with Doug Ellis quotes where he says players get managers sacked. While that's not entirely true, I mean I think it is in this case of uh, De Matteo a big percentage of that. You know, I'll be honest, I prefer Bruce than De Matteo. It certainly makes more sense now in the situation we're in and the the task that's that lies ahead. Really, I think if there's one reassuring thing with having Bruce is that. Hopefully he'll be able to stabilise us because this season has the potential to go one or two ways. I think yeah. um, under Di Matteo, I, you know, I think it would have been anyone's guess how that, how things could have turned out. I really do. Hello, hello, my British chums. This is Remy, Steve. Monsieur Bruce, I say no. Stay away from the light. It's a trap. A big, grand trap. Oui, it is a well-compensated trap, but a trap nonetheless. Jordan, more sun cream for my thighs. Let's move on to uh, the segment of the show, Improvers, where we look at one player, where we discuss how they can improve, if they can improve, uh, or if they're just a lost cause. Uh, This week, we'll look at Ross McCormack, who started off promising, uh, I thought, uh, Mm. when the season kicked off, but uh, seems to be an increasingly marginalised player at the moment. Uh, I mean, against Wolves, as we mentioned, there was sparks of uh, good link-up between him and Grealish, which I've always thought was potential key to this season and you know that kind of after a five minutes spell that kind of disappeared would you have him as the first cho- one of the first choice strikers in the the starting 11 yeah 100 i just i feel like he's probably our best and most creative attacker and technically probably the best player we've got at the football club as well he should be scoring more goals but i think because of the positions we put him in and because of I don't know it just feels like i said when i was first talking at the start of the game he was making runs and he was getting into positions. It just feels like no one else was sort of on the same wavelength as him. And then him and Grealish started to link up a bit more then. But yeah. If I gave my team talk to Villa, I would say get the ball to McCormack as quickly as possible and then make runs to give him uh, options. And, you know, you start from there, I think, really. Look at the chance that uh, Kodja and Adoma had the chance to pass him the ball. And if he scores there, we're completely talking about something else, aren't we? And he's yeah. in that position, so... I think that's the great piece of defence for McCormack, that if, if you're him, you're, you're coming in at full time saying, look, I've made the runs, I've tried the link-up play. When he was in, he was stood off off uh, Codger's shoulder and, and for some reason he chose to shoot rather than put him one-on-one with a goalkeeper. You know, you, you can't legislate for that because he'll train all week, he'll work with them and he'll say, well, do you know what, I've made a couple of chances and, and I was... I was free when you should have passed to me. You know, he'll yeah. be judged. Arguably, he'll be judged on his on his goal return. But you know, I I think he's working really hard. But he, he's another example of play of a player who we're not actually using him very well. Yeah, just to cap this off, uh, it's quite interesting to look at uh, the odds to be the top championship scorer. I, mean, I think Dwight Gale's on nine at the moment. I think he's seven to four. But in terms of uh, the three 
let's say, the 20 goals a season strikers at Villa got. McCormack's actually the most fancied at 25 to 1, Gusted's at 33 to 1, and Codge's at 40 to 1. How many has McCormack scored? Is he, is he, is he scored one? I can't remember. I know Gusted's got three, Codge's got two. But just one of those needs a hat trick, and you know they're off to the races, so they're pretty good odds actually. But at the moment, uh, so- only, only Villa could sign three strikers who score twenty goals a season and turn them into sub ten goal scorers. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a particular penchant for that, haven't we? Right. So uh, meanwhile, in the rest of the championship, looking at what else is happening, and uh, I think it's pretty obvious, isn't it, Dan? Uh, The main thing that's happened is there's been some kind of uh, establishment in the top two. Yeah, Norwich and Newcastle win again. There's no no great surprise there, I don't suppose, you know, other than the fact that, I mean, Norwich beat Rotherham, which... You know, I would expect Newcastle beat Brentford. I'd expect that. I mean, they're they're looking like the one-two, aren't they, at the moment? And Huddersfield lost, so they've they've dropped off. I think. I mean, I I tweeted earlier on that uh, we can after the Wolves game we can kiss goodbye to automatic promotion. Mm -hmm. And for Villa to get automatic promotion, you're looking at a team that has managed to win once in twelve games, (laughs) going going on one hell of a winning run. And we're talking about like winning nine or ten games on the trot. But at the same time, Newcastle and Norwich suddenly tripping over in a in a severe way. And I mean, okay, Newcastle lost their first two games, but you know, they they've only been beaten once in ten games since. And I don't think those two teams are really gonna uh, squander that. I mean Huddersfield I think they would be happy if they were in the playoffs this season. Well Norwich and Newcastle are starting to do the the thing that we mentioned early doors in the season yeah. where we, we were saying, well no one's really found their feet. Now Norwich and Newcastle are starting to go, right, win, 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 win. <laughs> Like, we're we're away from that, aren't we? At the moment, yeah. New, New, Newcastle and Norwich. <laughs> is, Newcastle and Norwich are going. Okay, boys, let's wrap this up by Christmas. <laughs> well, we, whereas we're we're hoping we might win away from home by Christmas. We, our aspirations are aligned slightly differently. It's true, though. I mean, uh, it is. It is true. I mean, I still, you know, I'm still thinking that as we discussed, you know, get up to the top ten by Christmas, and then playoffs. You know, it's on. But equally, at the moment, I mean, Jesus. Now it's time for Twitter with Tony. October 16th. I have bought several companies in crisis before and turned it right. The difference was before getting a right CEO for them. I could do it myself. October 16th. Still. Football today is evolving so quickly in many aspects. Even you aren't falling, would soon be behind. Continuous developments are needed. Where? It's still October 16th. There is old saying, bells are everywhere, but not the same as the eyes. Good manager should know how to make it. Let's move on to the next games. Uh, Villa's games are pretty tough. Reading away. They haven't been beaten at home, and hopefully when you're listening to this, they have been. <laughs> but Fulham, uh, what's what's Fulham's form away from home? They've been unbeaten away from home as well. I think they're the only team in the league. So Looking good. <laughs> potentially, uh, two draws there. <laughs> <laughs> to add to the big pile. 
I mean, let's look at the Fulham game. Uh, anything else worth talking about, Chad? It's got to be three points, really, hasn't it? 100%. If we don't win that game, or if we don't get at least three points out of those two next games from a win, then you're saying playoffs is starting to look a bit faded as well, aren't you? Well, I'm thinking attendances might start to drop as well, yeah. like big time, because there'll be people essentially... I mean, already there's a lot of fans who've bought tickets away for away games just to return them uh, basically just to get their client references yeah. their client references for the blues game once that game's out of the way zero interest mm-hmm. so uh, if they lose against Fulham I think that's a, a bigger game than this Wolves one uh, because obviously manager's first game you know you, you cut him some slack but this game he'll know he's in a in a quagmire if he doesn't win that because I mean let's face it Villa have got to start winning soon and uh, we're talking about getting in the top 10 for December in touching distance of the playoffs and uh, well it's almost coming up to the uh, the second half well it's the second half of October already I mean when do we start having the discussion and we don't want it to be prophets of doom here when do we start having the discussion that (laughs) what where are we going to finish this season because we're 20th I mean we're out of the the drop zone by a point we've won one game we were abject against Wolves not exactly bringing positivity to the podcast here am I Hmm. No, but I mean, I'm just clinging on to the fact that we've got players who, if somebody said, oh, Villa are going to go on a nine-game winning run, even though based on what's happened so far and also what happened last season, you think, yeah, right. It's also possible because you look at our strike force and you think, well, yeah, and you know, the rest of the league's not that hot. It's just they're a bit more up for it. They haven't got the quality there. We just need to start winning games. We just need to start winning games. It's not... Football isn't complicated, and I wonder whether you know it's easy. It's easy to it is easy to complicate it. It is very easy. I mean, uh, fitness. No, no, just fucking win the game. Just put the ball in the back of the net. I don't don't care who the manager is. I'd be really concerned if we didn't go to you know we didn't have Fulham at Villa Park and we didn't you know really get at them because if you know with all due respect to the Fulhams of this league, if we're not going to be turning teams like that over on our own pitch, and there's been a fair few of them already this term, but that you know that's gone. We can't do anything about that. Where are these wins going to start coming from? Because we need to start yeah we're undefeated at home and that's almost like a tongue-in-cheek statistic that people are banding around at well the i mean we'll, we need to start we'll, winning we'll use that as a segue to go into five reasons to be cheerful and you know that would be number one we are still unbeaten at home that could actually that just that fact if we carried on being unbeaten but actually started winning a few games mm-hmm. it actually helps the players men- mentally because they've got something to hang on to suddenly if they're one nil up and they're thinking about their record or if it's nil nil or one one we're going into the last five minutes they're focused even more because they want to maintain that unbeaten home record mm. so it's psychologically it's going to help but obviously we want to be turning draws into wins and I'd love, I mean, if I could have anything this season apart from promotion, and I hope it's promotion and this thing, and that's essentially after what's happened over the last few seasons. With the record amount of home losses, I think 10 was the maximum, is to remain unbeaten at Villa Park this season, which having fended off Newcastle, which would be the main threat to uh, puncture that record, uh, you know, we're all set for that. Mm-hmm. Right, second reason to be cheerful anybody i'll take this one it's the fact that the second half probably helped bruce identify a lot of the problems already what like we're crap well yeah for instance (laughs) there you go straight up (laughs) ending his resignation on the air (laughs) that's a positive (laughs) he was going he was get me remy's number he was right it's a trap it's It's a a fucking trap (laughs) because of this rolling contract you never know he might resign before the fulham game 
<laughs> thanks, but no thanks. You know, you'll just be thinking, oh, I've, thanks for that, lads. I've now got on my CV, uh, manager of a former European champion. Thanks for that. Gives me a bit of kudos on my CV. Uh, number three, uh, well, it has to be that we didn't appoint McLaren, although that was never lightly. I feel sorry for Derby fans, though. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's a dreadful, dreadful, dreadful appointment for them. Although, although did, they did win, they, they did, did win. win, they did they win, did win. <laughs> yeah. But we, you know, we we don't meddle in such things as wins. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see if they finish higher than Villa. I mean, that was always going to be interesting anyway, just because of the uh, Nigel Pearson factor earlier on. But uh, I can't see it if Bruce sorts this team out. Number four, being out of the relegation zone helps. I think that that that's a mental thing. As I think that was a bit of a shock to people mm. uh, before that game. Obviously, our game kicked off after the three o'clocks, and then you looked up and you saw Villa in the bottom three. That's certainly a shock for me. After twelve games, and it's a wake up call. Yeah. You're like, oh my god, seriously, it's absolutely serious. And that's yeah. the thing we've been so preoccupied with discussing. You know, why didn't we win this game? Why didn't we win that game? When actually, Just bigger need- picture, people. We just need a run of three or four games to get in the promotion places. No, but, you know, you just need uh, another third th- bottom. Another three games of losing and drawing to be in the bottom three. League table doesn't lie. We've been that poor at times. Yeah. Talking of the uh, the Norwich and Newcastle thing, I think I put a, a tweet about. There's one thing that rattles me, and that's people who, when Villa get knocked out of cups, say, "Oh, we can concentrate on the league now." And uh, you know, managers that even set Villa up to get knocked out of cups. And I'm you know looking at Gerard Houllier against mm-hmm. Manchester City in the FA Cup, and obviously more infamously Martin O'Neill against CSK Moscow. Mm-hmm. That was essentially a sacrifice so we could battle for top four, and then the next game next league game with our fresh team we're playing stoke and we're two nil up and we concede two goals in the the dying minutes to uh throw away uh two points newcastle um, and norwich both in the top two while still being in the league cup in the final 16 sorry to bring him up but look at when sherwood kept us up we went on a cup run exactly it's it's momentum it's all about uh winning is a habit and you have to get it somewhere and start somewhere and, and cup runs sometimes uh you know provide a good catalyst because that's when i say winning is a habit it's a habit that villa have, haven't had for a long long time and they must discover absolutely. it somehow absolutely so the the fifth and final uh reason to be cheerful anybody bruce's hair tan and weight loss this hope for us all is a beautiful specimen beautiful beautiful especially I mean, his fresh tracksuit do you, and do you think that's why you can talk about fitness now <laughs> i mean of all the people to uh roll that excuse out there was a bit of irony there i must have uh, i think it was quite ironic that bruce arrived do you remember when lambert reappeared a couple of months after having left villa and he was like a it's like he'd been regenerated yeah i was talking to someone before the game actually i was talking about exactly the same thing they said it was like he'd been to some sort of post villa treatment (laughs) (laughs) they have to on the club that they have to go like i forget what was it stargate where they actually used to lie in that sort of regeneration booth if you like and they become like a brand new being you know they appear with skin and tans and their hair's regrown and their testicles have dropped and it's you know and they suddenly want to manage under the venkies but anyway, what, the point I'm making is Bruce has arrived in that condition, so it'd be interesting to see the decline <laughs> over the coming weeks. Jesus. 
It will, but it's inevitable. You know, when it is inevitable, he'll look as haggard as the rest of us after a couple of weeks. Propped up in his new, you know, the only reason they've moved the dugout closer to the tunnel is he's got less to stagger <laughs> half time as people pelt him with pies and go, "You fucking blue nosed bastard! We knew, we knew, we should have entrusted you with our club that was on the up, <laughs> on the slow, slow up." And we go, someone, someone, get us Trevor Francis. Do you remember when Graeme Souness, when he was manager, was it Galatasaray or Besiktas, when they won the derby, uh, ran on with, with, a, flag. with a flag yeah. and caused a riot? I hope Bruce does that at St yeah, Andrews. Actually, I hope he runs on. I actually I hope he, I hope he does Paolo Di Canio-esque and just slides on his knees in front of their biggest stand, if they right. have a big stand. I think he, well, he did that against Villa, I think. When oh, no. <laughs> but no, I, I think if, if I was uh, Steve Bruce's PR guy, I'd be going, right, Brucey, let's, let's squash this ex-blue nose resistance crap. Here's the flag. It just so happens to be a Chinese flag, yeah. but it's a flag. <laughs> if we're 1-0 up, yeah, yeah. who needs a Villa flag? Just use a Chinese flag. If we're 1-0 up at half-time, just ram it right in the middle of that centre circle. Don't wait until full-time, half-time, get it in there. <laughs> just to liven up the second half. I claim this ground for Recon Group. If you have any questions uh, for us to answer, it can be anything on Aston Villa, the world of football at large, your own personal problems. Just don't ask Dan about Westwood. Just drop us a tweet on at Aston Villa pod uh, and we'll uh, be sure if it's a good one to include it in the next episode. Also, if you enjoyed the podcast, please give us a a thumbs up, a like, uh, five stars, uh, whatever, just to uh, show, show your love. It's coming up to Christmas. We need some love just to keep this damn show going. Anyway, (laughs) until next time, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. My old man said... I'm back in work. I've been out for three, four months. It's the first time in 40 years that I haven't been involved with a football club on the first day of a season. And I found that remarkably strange. Yeah, I've got to be really careful, but I do believe it's arguably the biggest club that I've ever managed. And I mean that properly. And and the biggest challenge of all because of the expectation. You know, this club is steeped in history of winning things. So the expectation is always still going to be there. So I hope I can live up to the billing. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.